Welcome to Transition, Gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. Today we have a nice and long lineup of games and gaming consoles to talk about apart from The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 in the second half of this episode. For the gaming section of this podcast, we have regulars Rishi Alwani. Hey, what's up? Mikhail Madnani. Hello. And I'm your host Pranay Parab. So for the next 35-40 minutes or so, we are going to be talking exclusively about games. After which, we'll move to the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. So stay tuned. So first up, I think we should talk about rumors about this PlayStation Five, which is supposedly releasing in 2018. Rishi, you want to take that? Yeah. So it seems that. the PlayStation 5 may be announced next year which should come as no surprise because i mean let's be honest for uh, sony usually follows a 5 year life cycle uh, they say their consoles last for 10 years which is true i mean but the ps3 hasn't officially been con- discontinued yet despite being out in 2006 so uh yeah i mean the rumors are we're probably going to see the ps5 next year which makes sense because the analyst responsible for this is the same guy who correctly called it that we'd see the PS4 slim and the PS4 pro this year so it seems there seems to be some credence to it uh it'll be interesting because we've reached that stage in in uh, in the console in console evolution where uh we were good enough is good enough for for a lot of people and uh it'll just be interesting to see what else sony brings brings to the table aside from graphics so yeah i mean that that's what it is yeah Hopefully we'll see the PS5 next year. Yeah, and when will you see the PS5 Pro? I mean, two probably years two from years there. after that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I think 2018 is a bit soon for it to happen uh, because uh, the PS4 Pro came out in 2016, uh, towards the end of 2016, and this would essentially make it a two-year cycle. Uh, I have a feeling the console manufacturers would want a three-year thing more than a two-year thing. Two years, what you look at with phones. Yeah, but then they also want it like phones. In fact, if you've noticed, every time, so so it's interesting, right? On one side of it, you have Microsoft claiming that people want uh, more iterations, like the phone market has, and on the other side, you have Sony saying that we released the PS4 Pro because people are migrating to PC. So on both sides of the fence, they have very extreme reasons for doing what they're doing, and. at the end of it it also begs the question right if you even look at how the uh, pc markets are lining itself we already have ryzen that's out for pro- in terms of processors amd is long rumored vega apparently is going to be out soon which basically means the gpu architecture and the processors are already there it's just a question of shrinking it down and making it co- making it compatible for consoles but if that's all you're going to get is just a boost in speed i i don't i don't we need the games plain and simple and to be honest i do agree that a ps5 does seem premature for 2018 because i don't think we've hit the stride on the ps4 just yet i still think there is i mean we we want to see what will happen with the likes of the last of us 2 what, what happens with the, with uncharted lost legacy what happens with grand uh, grand turismo sport to me a five year life cycle this time around doesn't do justice to what else is yet to show up and also the fact that playstation 4 sales are not slowing down at all in fact it's it's on the way to over what like people keep posting graphs of it selling as well as the ps2 yeah and stuff like that so uh why would you want to like cut that down 
So I don't think like if they do it, they might call it PS4 something else maybe, or they'll just call it PlayStation something. I don't know. I don't see them dropping the PS4 branding yet. It, the mindshare is insane for it right now. I mean, if anything, it's probably just an SKU that will make VR an easier sell, in my opinion, because that's one area where everyone seems to be lacking, not just Sony. I mean, sure they hit close to a million sales, but that's still nothing compared to a base of close to 60 million PS4s. So if only a million people bought PSVR and you have 60 million PS4s, there's a problem there. I mean, so there was actual supply problems, right? Like they, it's still not available easily, so they need to sort that out because, uh, like, it's not Nintendo where it's like quote unquote artificial scarcity and stuff like that yeah. with their products. But uh, I don't know. I I just don't see them dropping the PlayStation 4 branding anytime soon. Even with PS4 Pro, if you'll notice the. game boxes and all just have ps4 pro either in a sticker or at the back it's not they've not changed the branding on the top where it just says ps4 yeah because i mean at the end of it while it's all nice to say that you you're creating a console to cater to the hardcore but that's not where the that's not where the numbers are that's not where the volume is at the end of the day you've reached a good enough stage with the ps4 you have an audience you have the games it doesn't make sense to to throw that all the way all the way just yet but I wouldn't be surprised if if, the, if this rumor has come up because of Scorpio and because oh of yeah, all the hype Scorpio is getting. Oh yeah, that's definitely another. That's definitely another thing where uh, Sony could be doing this themselves, just throw yeah, something it. to the rumor mill or some plant something, so that uh, or people who whatever consider jumping ship for God knows whatever reason, maybe like oh shit, I have too many games here. Maybe I need to like go to a platform where there's less games. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But it, it'll just stop them. Like they'll be like, oh, may as well just wait and see what happens closer to E3 2018 when they announce it, maybe or something like that. Yeah, and to be honest, I won't be surprised if we even see the PS4 get a price drop this year and the PS4 Pro oh, also get a price drop. Oh, that's definitely happening. Like PS4 Pro will go from 400 to 300 with some game for the holiday season, and the PS4 Slim will be 200 with a game or two. It's going to be insane. Yeah, so I mean, it's right now it's all rumor here. Say, so if you have a PS4 and you're thinking of throwing it away because the PS5 hold off, nothing's concrete. Don't believe the headlines. Just I'll go yet. and buy Persona 5 and play it. Among <laughs> other, and Yakuza Zero. But uh, yeah, that aside. Uh, speaking of Scorpio, so I think uh, Phil Spencer made some very amusing announcements this weekend. Yeah, that's He's the been head doing of that X. for a while now. Yeah, yeah, the head of Xbox basically. What did he say? He said something about games as a service being more. I mean, having more play to use his own words. Yeah, so Phil Spencer basically claimed that single player games are dead. which is very amusing because this comes after a quarter where we saw Yakuza 0, Persona 5, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Near Automata uh and uh we're getting Prey which is coming out soon but point is yeah there've been a lot of single player games and some of them and oh yeah Horizon Zero Dawn and all of them have been doing surprisingly well uh but Phil Spencer's logic is games as a service which basically means games with an online component games with a multiplayer component games with microtransactions are doing better Now I don't know how he how he can say that with a straight face, considering that uh, none of Microsoft's games in the last uh, two years have seen a really good surge in sales. Halo Five, I think, even reached its five million mark after being discounted repeatedly, and uh, to the point where you could pick up uh, you could pick up the Steelbook Collector's Edition for like twenty dollars three months after launch. That's insane. So my point is. Uh, I don't know how he's saying this, and at the same time, if you notice, Microsoft themselves have stopped reporting uh, install-based numbers. So yeah, I mean, at at its core, yes, Microsoft is a services company, and uh, to be honest, I'm surprised that the Xbox division is, is has lasted as long as it has. But uh, fact of the matter is, even on games which they're running as a service, like Forza Six 
or even games where they throw in microtransactions like Forza Horizon 3 which is to my in my opinion perhaps the best game out of Microsoft's own studios in the last 5 years even they haven't sold as well so if you don't have an install base to push your lovely services onto how can you even say it's doing well it just doesn't have any basis in fact at this point at this point in time and at the same time it also goes to show the thinking at Microsoft which also would explain why games like Scalebound were, sh- were shut down. Maybe it's because they didn't fall into Microsoft's warped idea of what a service should be. And at the same time, it also goes to show that if you are invested on the Xbox camp and expect Scorpio to have uh, unrivaled, unparalleled, good single-player experiences, think again, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's kind of sad though. And also a lot of people took offense to it and there was a whole Twitter storm brewing after his comments. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, Phil should just stay away from Twitter. Like, Just don't say anything. If you mm. if you don't have anything to say or anything worthwhile to add, don't say it. You're just digging your own grave. And, and what's really tragic is there's a great chance we could be proven wrong at E3 where he actually has some decent games to talk about. But till then, don't say anything. I mean, what's the point of just getting yourself into another, you know, uh, storm of drama on Twitter. I mean, like, he when he says stuff like, oh, games or service are doing better, they obviously are. But then you have uh, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands, which uh, is a co-op game. Yep. Which is num- it was the number one best-selling game in the US so far. Yeah. Uh, Overwatch obviously has been doing well. But then, uh, I mean, those games are available in other places. So if you keep focusing on that stuff, people will just stick to what they already have. What's the draw of coming to Scorpio? Seeing, like... Uh, and the other thing is also like games like Destiny 2, Battlefront 2 and all, they probably will look a little better on Scorpio. They will run a lot better, maybe depending on how they're done, but you're still missing out. Like they can't even mention that because of the Sony deal and stuff. So it's a very weird situation. Yeah, it just seems to be, a, they just seem to be in a weird place. I mean, if you have the games, talk about them. I mean, I know for a fact that next week we're going to see a lot of pre, pre-E3 pre reveals from from publishers. So, and, and if they're willing to take take that dive into the next set of games uh, ahead of E3. I don't know why Microsoft's so adamant to stick to E3. And fine, they may have won, they may have quote-unquote won E3 for the last three, four years, but there's that, there's no point to it if you're kind of tanking and actually, you know, keeping your consumer base happy. So, I don't know, it's, it's, it's just a very perplexing state of affairs. And like I said, Microsoft being a service company in general, it's very surprising the Xbox division has lasted as long as it has. Yeah, well, so since Mike uh, just mentioned Overwatch, uh, should we talk about the recent uh, numbers that Blizzard revealed? Yeah. I think uh, Overwatch has, what, some 30 million? Yeah, Overwatch crossed 30 million registered players. Yeah. Uh, this basically means 30 million people have battle.net accounts and have played Overwatch, I assume. Yeah, and they've essentially paid $60. Yeah. Well, maybe not that. Because 40 if we can't PC. I know, but like there's also like me giving you the game and then you putting it on your PS4 and playing yeah, it. So, so, but yeah, like 30 million for in less than a year is, in, is pretty crazy. Yeah, that, that's quite crazy. And I think a lot of it also has to do with the massive fan base around the game. Yeah. I mean, a game like this, it, aside from the game being, well, fun to play, the, 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 it spawned an entire community of cosplayers of of professional players of shoutcasters of of basically a bunch of people coming together just to celebrate overwatch when they can and i think it's one of the reasons why the game's able to sustain why it's able to do the 30 million and at the same time you have some really good events that have keep that have kept happening halloween christmas uprising so it, it's 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 fascinating to see how while all this is going on around the game through the fans and while you have the events, is that Blizzard hasn't actually dropped the ball in terms of content either. We've seen new maps, we've seen new players. I think we've had six new players this year. 
new players. I mean, new characters. No, there have been three. Sorry, three new characters and three more maps are coming. Yeah, they, they yeah, and he, there are three more maps which are coming for standard rotation and others for non-standard rotation. So they have it all planned out basically. Yeah, so it's. I mean, it's nice to see that level of support and it, again, like if we if you look at how Warcrafts worked, we've had with with World of Warcraft, we've had expansions every two years. So will will we see a similar kind of cadence to Overwatch? God only knows. But all what I do know is that. Even if all you did was spend the sixty dollars to play the game and nothing else, you've pretty much got your value for money. Yeah. So some of the in-game decisions that these guys have taken with uh, Hearthstone and Overwatch uh, may be paying off in terms of like the numbers that they're showing. So I'm specifically talking about the uh, multiplayer option where you can mute audio and then just uh, send in those standard stock messages saying that you've done well. That's uh, the Hearthstone message, right? Like you just tell p- people like, "Well oh, you played." you emote basically. Yeah. And Hearthstone is emoting yeah. and it's the the voice lines in Overwatch which yeah. you equip. But so uh, that kind of keeps the toxic elements also away in uh, multiplayer where people just start screaming in your ear the moment you get in and you know. Oh, I, I yeah. disable uh, team chat immediately unless yeah. I'm playing with friends. So, yeah. so it gets toxic with friends also but at least you have control <laughs> over yeah, it. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean but these have been standard features of, of, other, uh, of other games as well. I mean we've seen uh, to the point where Halo 5's multiplayer doesn't even give you the option to emote. I mean, it gives you the option to emote, but then more often than not, if you switch off TeamSpeak, uh, you can essentially, y- your own character while it's playing will notice stuff and tell other players. Hmm. So that keeps happening as well. But here it's more pronounced yep. because uh, those emo- a lot of the emotes, a lot of the ca- voice lines are uh, for the characters themselves. They're personalized. So that that's kind of a reason why people keep coming back yeah it's it's like you're being social by playing with people but also not being social because you're letting the game do the talking for you yeah. so it's pretty cool that way yeah. and ha- speaking of hearthstone they yeah, yesterday they announced that hearthstone across 70 million players now hearthstone is free to play but still 70 million is massive yeah and uh, this is when a lot of people were wondering whether hearthstone had any future because they thought blizzard was giving up on it for i don't know why People would think that, but they just announced a new expansion. Obviously, they want you to spend more money, but yeah, they have they've had seventy million people play it so far. Yeah, and that also like puts into perspective the Overwatch numbers, right? I mean, Hearthstone has no barrier to entry. Yeah, and played on practically million. any device. Works on old PCs and even on iPhone and Android now. Yeah, Android. In fact, once you have something that works on PC and Android, yeah. that's the biggest in always. Yeah. Well, Overwatch is uh, PC and consoles, no mobile, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and Overwatch and is also less sixty dollar entry fee, basically. sixty or forty, and yeah. Overwatch is in less than a year, so that's yeah. a big deal. And again, it also just goes to show if you put it in perspective, uh, for years we've 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 heard analysts, we've heard quote unquote gaming experts talk about how AAA is dying, how no one's going to pay for games, but uh, yeah, thirty million, sixty dollars a game, forty dollars a game, that still is a big draw. So okay, yeah, you make a great game, and then clearly there is an audience even now. Yep. Yeah. So Rishi, you want to talk about a game that may not have much to do with multiplayer. Uh, Prey, we've heard something about it. Yes, so uh, Prey is the spiritual successor to a 2006 game called Prey. Now, Prey had a very weird development cycle, which is in development for, I think, since 95 and finally came out in 2006. It was this game about this Native American, Native Indian American guy who finds himself and his entire community on a spaceship from where the aliens are basically harvesting humans and he has to, you know, save the world. It was a quirky game. I had its following, uh, but then there was some legal trouble after it, 
wherein the publisher 3D Realms ended up uh, uh, selling the rights of the Prey franchise to Bethesda. At the same time, a game in the series was in development by the same company who made the first one, Human Head. And it had a very cool premise where you were basically uh, a private detective on an alien world solving mysteries. A human private detective on an alien world solving, solving mysteries, which sounded pretty cool. And you'd probably meet the protagonist of the first game and stuff like that, which was very interesting. But uh, they scrapped all of that. And uh, the development of, of Prey, 2017's Prey, is being done by Arcane. Arcane are the guys who made Dishonored and Dishonored 2. So over here, uh, they released a demo last, uh, I think, yeah, last week, which was pretty good. It was basically, to me, it was like Deus Ex meets System Shock. You had a lot of the elements from those two games in the sense that you don't just, you don't have to kill everything in your way. You can find a pacifist route. You can find, you can explore, find, uh, find logs that tell you what happened, what went down. But yeah, uh, the game essentially is about, you're this guy called Morgan Yu. You're on a space station called Talos One. Uh, every day seems to be the same day. You're repeating the same day Groundhog Day style. And what happens is there's a break in that simulation because uh, aliens have taken over the spaceship. And these are really creepy aliens uh, which basically mimic uh, human objects. So you could be picking up a coffee cup in the game that basically morphs into an alien and it, it lends itself really well to jump scares. Now, the demo is pretty cool and it seems to be that way with the full game also. Uh, just a disclaimer, the full game hasn't... Bethesda themselves haven't made the full game available to everyone just yet. Instead, what's happened is uh, the courageous grey marketeers the world over have uh, basically leaked the game early. Mm -hmm. uh, we've managed to get a copy. Uh, I've been playing it for the last uh, day, day and a half. And it's pretty promising. Uh, you'll have to wait till uh, May 5 for a full review because this this is a long game. But yeah, it's it's looking pretty promising. So you can, you, you can actually turn into a copy yourself and open it or, or into any daily object of sorts and go into different areas in the game. You unlock... Uh, a cool a number of features, a cool number of abilities. So you have bullet time, you have really nice weapons as well, which like like the glue gun, which lets you uh, basically cement enemies in place and then you can hammer them down with a wrench. You can even use the glue gun to create a uh, new navigation objective, new, new navigation options. So you can probably shoot a wall, uh, create a set of stairs, allowing you to go to areas which you thought weren't reachable. Mm. So it's got a lot going for it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, technically, not that impressive. Uh, personally, at least, uh, even though it's based on the CryEngine, which is supposedly very good uh, in a lot of facets, but it holds a decent frame rate. The gameplay is fun. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds. But yeah, it's it's shockingly, shockingly good. And which is, again, odd because there's been very, very little buzz around this game. Yeah. So could be one of the underrated gems of this year, maybe. Possibly. But uh, right now, it's just quite fun to play. It'll be interesting to see how the PC version pans out. Because again, run, run, running CryEngine should mean it's decently optimized. But at the same time, Arcane's track record on PC isn't the greatest. Mm. Dishonored 2 was really good on, on the PS4 Pro. But the PC version was pretty bad. Mm. So let's see how this pans out. But yeah, it's something you guys should check out. It's quite fun. I'm just waiting for the soundtrack to release after watching <laughs> some gameplay, not touching the game. <laughs> but yeah, definitely getting the soundtrack. Mick Gordon is Bethesda's best composer. I, yeah, about that. The soundtrack's really good. But there are some parts in the game which is which are... So from time to time, you'll encounter enemy uh, th these aliens and they'll be the, they'll be the usual jump scare. And uh, there'll be, you know, the accompanying music playing with it. But what happens is because your enemies are the sort that can change shape, uh, even when you don't see them, they th th that music still plays. So it's very jarring. 
So it's like you see them, the music starts playing this high amped up horror style music starts playing and suddenly when they're missing they're done they're nowhere in your line of sight they're nowhere to be found the music is still playing so that kind of gives you a clue that they're somewhere in the area and you have to hunt them down which mm. is I think a little stupid there was supposed mm. to be a dynamic soundtrack like Doom but I'm guessing it wasn't implemented or at least it, in its current state it's not as good no because at the time of recording this podcast there hasn't been a patch for the game yet that might change by the time this podcast goes live but at this very moment on uh may 2nd there has been no podcast may yeah. 2nd uh, 2 42 p.m there's been India no patch time. there is a podcast sorry there is a podcast there is no spoon <laughs> there, there is, there, <laughs> yeah at, on may 2nd 2 42 p.m india time there has been no patch for prey yet to fix this issue so yeah well speaking of issues i believe you had some issues with the nintendo 2ds xl it's a new console i believe but before you get to that rishi mike why don't you tell us what the console is about okay so uh Nintendo launched their 3DS in, I think, 2011. And it was the successor to the DS, which had it 3D and basically uh, doubled the resolutions of the screens and was their new generation of handheld consoles. That has gone through a lot of hardware revisions. There's been the 3DS XL, which doubled the size of the screen. Uh, that led, Then after that, there was the 2DS, which was basically uh, for built for like children, which had no clamshell case. It was one screen on top of the other no folding and basically it was like a 99 dollar a cheaper version uh, f- after that nintendo pulled an apple and did like an iphone 4 to 4s and released the new 3ds and new 3ds xl which basically had better internals but played all the previous games including the ds games and then finally they released they announced at least the new 2ds xl which is basically a, a clamshell handheld device which will play everything DS, 3DS and new 3DS but in 2D. So now you have uh, Nintendo's handhelds start from 99 and you have options. You have two options at 150 and another option at $200. So there's a, like a lot of stuff uh, depending on what you want to buy. And uh, Nintendo's obviously doing this because 2017 and 18 are probably going to be the last two years where there's proper support for the 3DS before everyone moves on to the Switch or to something else along with the Switch. So in Japan, it's actually launching the same day as Dragon Quest XI, which makes a lot of sense because that's no doubt probably going to be the best-selling game this year in Japan. Uh, In the West, like in the US, which would make its way here, it's launching with, uh, I think, Hey Pikmin and uh, what is the other game? Metopia, which is... uh, Metopia is a game which released in Japan a while ago. It's coming here. And Hey Pikmin is a 3DS version of uh, Pikmin 3, I believe, or some form of it. So basically, you have a $99 2DS, $150 new 3DS, $150 new 2DS XL, and a $200 new 3DS XL if you want to get into that family of systems now and play Pokemon. So yeah, that's basically what's happened. They've announced three models so far. One is white and orange, which looks pretty terrible, according to me. The black and blue one looks really good. We'll probably pick it up. And there's a Dragon Quest XI custom model, which will launch alongside a Dragon Quest XI PlayStation 4 in Japan on the same day. So, yeah, basically that. Yeah, so I have a few issues with this. For one, yeah, it's great they're targeting kids. This is obviously meant for kids and people who probably never got on the 3DS because, oh my God, 3D vision will make you go blind and other such facts. <laughs> you can disable that. <laughs> but tell that, how can you explain that to kids and parents? A switch is so tough to move, pun unintended. But yeah, what really worries me is that the week Nintendo announces the 2DS, 
which is great cool story it's always great to have more choices at the same time they announced that they can reggie filzemi or filzema however you want to pronounce it goes goes on to announce that uh, oh uh, we can't do, uh, make any more nest classics because hey guess because we have limited resources that doesn't make sense your nintendo how uh, that, it, this is the height of hypocrisy right here barely anyone managed to get their hands on the nest classic you only sold 2.3 million i mean when we saw it in stores it was marked up three times the price and people were still buying it yeah. like what is this i mean isn't it and it begs the question because i know for a fact the 2ds is going the new 2ds is going to have the same problem is nintendo actually for consumers or is nintendo for for suppliers and scalpers alone like what the hell is going on here man you release a retro console which did surprise which did pretty well all right and how can you just can it less than 6 months in the worst part in all of this is fine the worst part in all i don't know what's worse actually one part that a, a, a shitty 60 dollar box with 30 roms sold really well and nintendo refuses to take your money for another set for an, for another bunch of it later refuses at all to take your money or the fact that people don't realize that there are easier better and smarter ways to get your retro fix i mean like i'm i'll say this again no one who's buying an nes classic uh no is doing it because they know they because they aren't aware of emulation it's just being bought as like a nostalgia cash in for 60 dollars but they should have discontinued it after letting it actually remain on the shelves this yeah. is what i think yeah and come on i mean it's it's one thing altogether where whether you i mean it's one thing to have a supply issue for the first couple of weeks for a month but then with the with the nest classic there have been supply issues through and through I, to the point where stores even after the initial shipment haven't got anything after that so i think nintendo needs to be a little more transparent on how it's dealing with its stuff and can't just say we don't have resources because i'm sorry between 2.3 million nes classics and around 2. Uh, around 2 around 2 million nintendo switches and 2.6 million copies of zelda sold so 3 million switches 3 million switches and close to 2.6 2.7 million copies of zelda sold this doesn't make sense this absolutely doesn't make sense and i and it, and let's face it they're, they're probably going to do around around christmas they're probably going to do a, a, a crazy bundle for the 2ds uh for the new 2ds we might see a uh, who knows they might just do a pokemon bundle with it and then you're you're, you're trying to tell me that uh, they're going to actually make sure supply is not is going to be great it's not nintendo essentially is proving once again that it is not for consumers it is for scalpers and to me that's anti consumerism at its best it's it's really wrong and at the end of it the only reason they're able to get away with it is because oh my god nintendo you, you might be third in the console race but we're there for you i mean guys wake up you're getting you're getting pretty much there's you're pretty much getting screwed over that so there's a guy wearing a nintendo t-shirt i know right I was and nintendo shoes yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i don't see such a problem with the 2ds because if if it's not available you can just buy the new 3ds xl or the new 3ds which is just a smaller size screen but it's not really a big loss with the NES classic you literally have no other alternative to get something similar unless you basically pirate exactly so with that it's a bigger issue with the 2DS if supply and demand are there will be a problem for sure come on it's nintendo uh like the new 3DS is just finally available easily i think now in the US and yeah this is still when nintendo region lock stuff so you can't import a 2DS from japan or from europe like you did with the switch Yeah. So yeah, that's something to consider. But yeah, basically that. Yeah. All right. So I think we should uh, switch things up a bit and talk about the games we've been playing this week. I think first of all we should speak about Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. What's that? I don't know. Never heard of it. Right. Oh yeah, you mean the remaster of a Wii U game that no one played? Yeah. 
with uh, yeah just you know maybe about i don't know 40 awesome tracks and a good soundtrack and lovely visuals amazing new characters and a new battle mode so and like a huge step up from the last portable mario kart which is mario kart 7 which is the only 3ds game i have sold yeah yeah well but you have to admit though for all, for all the goodness they brought in this time i think the multiplayer is surprisingly um what's the term i'm looking for uh, looking for a connection uh yeah it's like there are like several infrastructural issues that come to light playing multiplayer but aside from that it's fine i don't know i haven't had any problems playing yeah but i haven't been able to connect at all like it just says the first it says there's connection issues i mean yeah could blame it on the internet whatever but then after that it says can't reach the other users console which is just i think uh, you should, i think you need to try on another internet connection but yeah. uh, i know people who have been facing problems in the us for some reason Uh, no, in my case also as well i mean i tried it at home on on a 50 mbps line i've had similar concerns the same error messages like you said pranay waiting for you uh, can't connect to user console and uh, the other the other in even on on a standard 4g line it se- seems to be a bit of an issue it's really odd because splatoon was Splat- splatoon's global test fire was pretty much flawless hmm. and this i'm guessing because you have much more people connecting i'm that could be a reason but i mean it sold nearly 500000 in a day in the us Nice. Yeah, that's like fifty percent attach rate in a day. Boom, like straight. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's it's fun. It's good. It's just that the multi could be the get, getting into a multiplayer game could be a lot more seamless. I think that whoever Nintendo is taking its design cues hasn't actually tried multiplayer from whatever consoles they're trying to rip off. <laughs> But no, this is yeah. basically the same multiplayer mode as uh, the Wii U version, except you can change uh, your character. And yeah, you can make some changes while you're in the lobby instead of being locked to what you had chosen before. Yep. But at least with the Wii U version, it wasn't this bad. I can say that much, having played both. The okay. Wii U version wasn't this bad, uh, even when it was, even when people were, were were hammering down the servers. It's just that maybe I, I'm guessing it has to do with the number of people trying to play. But otherwise, yeah, it's a great game. It's just that multiplayer could be better. So yeah, I mean, I've been playing it. quite a bit honestly uh, and enjoying it more or less but one thing like i have a serious problem with playing uh, first person shooters on any platform so what happens is usually i get the simulator sickness start feeling nauseous and get a lot of headaches and Did all you play the witness uh, no okay. not yet yeah so then i played this game uh, mario kart 8 deluxe on the uh, on the switch in the handheld mode and i had the same issues uh, okay. because you know that i mean it Uh, is it because of the motion blur when you're like uh, boosting and stuff like that uh, partly because of that partly because the tracks keep like switching around from like top to bottom okay. and there's like too much motion happening but didn't have any such problems while playing it on the tv uh, in the dock mode so yeah at least there's that handheld mode i've just not been able to play okay so i've played mostly in handheld mode like probably uh, put in just maybe half an hour dock mode so mm-hmm. far just to try out online yeah but dock mode is so much better in terms of visuals like it looks it's fantastic no big deal. I yeah you know whatever no i played in both and i personally prefer it on the handheld mode because uh hashtag I, team handheld <laughs> <laughs> yeah that too no it, it just it just feels a lot more better it's just one of the games that feels a lot better with zelda i prefer playing it on a bigger screen but mm. this one to me works better on handheld yeah well if not for the headaches and maybe my opinion would be more qualified on this subject i guess uh, but yeah i mean serious issue with handheld mode so no But yeah, the the inkling characters are the best addition. I mean, I haven't even today is the first time I actually tried playing as someone else, mm. and uh, I had someone I, else. And what's your favorite character otherwise? I don't really have one. So what do you play? Because as when I one? when I played it on the Wii U, when I borrowed Rishi's Wii U, 
uh, I used to just play as uh, either shy guy or I used to play as uh, I don't think King Boo was there so No King Boo is a new one. Yeah so I think I played as uh, Bowser. Hmm. I still don't know why there no Kirby in this though. Yeah. So and yeah it's funny seeing King Boo basically float on top of the <laughs> yeah. the car or the bike and yeah. play but but yeah in this one definitely inkling girl. Yeah. Like you transform into a squid when you jump like best game ever so. yeah and uh, i mean um, i still like metal mario quite a bit you know that's i, I hopefully will be able to win all the 200 cc cups one day and unlock gold mario and yeah <laughs> or just get the amiibo yeah <laughs> sure that's happening in india definitely okay yeah, yeah amiibo are available yeah they are yeah i mean if you know where to look right but like i think ebay. just yeah ebay hmm. I haven't seen Gold Mario in a while but like yeah. I haven't looked in like I think a year and a half when the thing just got introduced. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, moving on. Uh Mike, what have you been playing this week apart from Mario Kart 8 Deluxe? Still Zelda. Like in fact, yesterday I played like 6 hours of Zelda, finished two of the main dungeons. Mm. Uh unlocked more stuff and like found this whole new mechanic in the game which I hadn't seen so going to explore a lot more now and uh, I think I'm like nearing 25% maybe and the switch thing shows me 65 hours played so yeah still still epic and it just got patched today which allowed you to switch the language so i mean you can switch the text and the voice language from i think nine options so i will go and rewatch some of the cut scenes with other languages because zelda's voice acting in particular is really bad everything else is fine so been doing that and uh, started playing this game called the caligula effect on vita uh, which is a game by furyu in japan which atlas usa is localizing uh, it's very very interesting but like i'm just barely into it right now so it's it's an action slash turn based ugh, i have no idea basically i the music's good so far that's all yeah so last week you said that you're getting the f- uh, physical edition of the sexy brutal uh, did yeah, that right yeah it's it's still not available i think it's been delayed in some regions because of some manual printing error but uh, i still i still want to get that i haven't played that yet so everyone's been praising it but yeah uh, i've seen the email that there was some printing error and they're, yeah. they're sending a fixed copy like via email and we'll fix it later and all that so so yeah basically that and uh, also there's this game called tumble seed coming out on uh, steam ps4 and switch which i'm uh, looking forward to getting it looks like it'll play amazing on switch and on ipad so when they do an ipad version because the developer has released an ios game before so hmm. we'll probably get that that's basically it like mostly switch stuff Yeah. So yeah, I'll go next I guess. Uh been playing Sexy Brutal. Uh I mean, I reviewed it also. Pretty good game. I mean, in general I like puzzle games. Uh I think Hue was one of the uh, puzzle games that released last year. You uh, absolutely have to play The Witness then. Yeah, I will. One day I will get there. Uh probably when it releases on iOS which has been delayed like I don't know 50,000 times or whatever. Uh but yeah. So Sexy Brutal is pretty good. Uh, reminded me of all, all those point and click adventure games of old. even though this is not anywhere uh, close to that in terms of like the way it looks and all this is like proper iso uh, semi isometric uh, 3d instead of the 2d point and click okay. uh, stuff that used to be there and uh, the best thing is that while once you solve the puzzles right like there's you'd be like oh my god this was so simple why didn't i figure it out before but then the whole process takes quite a bit of time so you need to go and follow each of these guests and then there's that time loop which we'd mentioned earlier yeah. um so it's like a groundhog day scene happening where like every day at midnight the clock resets and you're back to square one so you have to finish the you have to save each of these guests and you have to finish uh, each of these quests within those 12 hours in the game okay so it's actually quite fun you have to track all of them and sometimes you get clues after a guest has died 
not before okay. so you have to actually let them die to save them which is also kind of funny and music's good at least from yeah. the trailer yeah music's very very good i really loved it only thing i didn't like was that once you solve the puzzles right there's not much to do so no real replay value okay. i mean there are some collectible cards in the game and uh, you can fill all brochure entries if you want but then that's like putting some sh- some stuff for 100% thing just for the sake of putting but it. yeah uh, for it's like it's pretty cheap right i think it's like Twenty dollars, uh, I think. Fifteen or twenty, yeah. Yeah, so, so two thousand rupees in India. No less. Uh, sexy Brawl is five sixty-five on, uh, on Steam. Yeah, on yeah. PS4 on is Steam 2000. is five sixty-five. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, overall, I'd recommend this game for anybody who likes puzzle games. For new players who are not experienced with this kind of a puzzle game, uh, probably not because there's very little hand-holding in the game. Okay. So no, no hints. Hint system. Okay. Yeah, no hints, no clues, no, not even a direction that they point you in. And yeah, one more thing. Uh, in this game. it's like you have to save all these guests right who are being murdered one by one okay. so what happens is once you save somebody it's not like you can just immediately you get like you are now in stage 2 and you have to save this guest so you have to actually find like a particular room where you go and then it tells you okay this guest is here this is going to die so your next mission is um, to save this one and to get to that room you have to like uh, solve another puzzle and to reach reach that particular room/dungeon/whatever so it's there's actually literally no hand holding So yeah, I mean that's the only game I've played apart from um, Steam World Heist, which once again now I've reached a stage where I'm feeling like I actually stole the developers' money by buying this game <laughs> on sale. You know, I bought it for like five fifty rupees and the full price is eight hundred. I should have paid full price. I probably like uh, buy a second copy somehow and maybe on Steam or something. Now is the time you play Steam World Dig. Yeah, I think and so. And get I, ready for Steam World Dig Two on Switch. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, I've been I've spent like what nineteen hours in the game and I'm still not done. and for an iOS game that's just crazy like even if i was playing it on pc i'd be very very happy with the money spent so yeah rishi uh i've been playing basically a lot of prey uh surprisingly good check out our review when it hits uh that aside i've been playing uh, a bunch of games on android based because i got the s8 plus for uh, testing out a few games so essentially no explosions sadly no <laughs> he's still alive man but, and uh, no burn marks on his body so wouldn't know So basically, yeah, I've been playing a lot of uh, Warhammer Freeblade, which is which translates quite well. So does Breakneck. Uh, what's interesting is that because the S8 Plus and the S8 both have, uh, you can switch the resolution, which I find very amusing because it's like PC <laughs> hardware, in a way. So <laughs> I think that that mode was put in for that Dex accessory. I, I don't yeah. know why, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm 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 thinking it has to do to save battery life. All yeah. said and done, because could be that, and could also be that the S8 has some weird resolution screen, so maybe no, they let you has, do that. I think it has to do with battery life. But mm-hmm. then that aside, there's very little difference in frame rate depending on resolution, which I find, which basically means the the S8 Plus's uh, internals are brute forcing every game to play as well as it should which mm. is a good thing more power is also nice yeah i'm guessing by next year's version S9 or whatever or maybe even Note 8 i think they'll have some graphics card drivers to install before you play the game <laughs> so yeah this like next next evolution in pro- mobile gaming yeah and probably uh, and the one after that you'll have to edit you have to edit INI files to you know get them to run properly yeah, yeah it's probably going to get there but yeah it's, it's been playing those two plays really good uh, warhammer free blades a lot of fun Ah uh, but yeah it's basically been that so i guess that's all we have for this segment of transition and we'll be back with the discussion on the guardians of the galaxy volume 2 right after this break and we are back to talk about the guardians of the galaxy volume 2 with a new bunch of guests so first up we have our resident pop culture nerd that's akhil arora 
Hey everyone. Now we also have a mini pop culture nerd <laughs> in Royden Serejo. Hey, hi. And I'm What's your up? host Pranay Parab. So, um I think we should start by talking about uh, the film itself like this is based in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Uh, yeah, but it's the most out there one. Like it's the only one that has no connection to all yeah. the other events that keep happening back on the planet called Earth. Yeah, and uh, all of the other movies are like uh, tied to each other in uh, some way, but this one is where like I mean it takes place with all these uh, random aliens popping up everywhere yeah. and it takes place out there in space. So that gives us a slightly different feel, which is what I liked about the first movie, uh, which I gather neither of you um, liked much. So I didn't particularly enjoy it. I wouldn't say like I didn't like it, but the the jokes that like, did not really land for me in the way i was expecting them to and the way like everyone said of like talked about the movie and this was like i didn't go like two months after everyone talking about it i went it like around the first or second week so i didn't have the same hype that it what got built over over time right cuz like now everyone accepts that guardians of the galaxy was this like fresh turn of events and this like gave us this zany like irreverent humor which is amazing but i never felt that wave of like freshness that people sort of felt Yeah I think I will also agree with Akhil over there I did not like the first movie at all in fact I barely remember I vaguely remember parts of the movie the only thing I remember was actually the end credit scene which uh, I don't know why but I only remember that that Groot one yeah Groot is dancing dancing yeah. in a flower pot yeah and uh, yeah I mean I think I share the same sentiment like the jokes it I just didn't find it funny for some reason and despite all the hype I was really like, quite excited about it because the trailer it looked really really good it was like completely different from your regular marvel movie mm. but uh, yeah it just didn't do anything for me yeah well so anyway thoughts on uh, guardians of the galaxy volume 2 right you want to go first yeah so volume 2 was surprisingly not that bad uh, i didn't fall asleep and i actually remember <laughs> most of it that's a good sign all yeah <laughs> I remember most of it and it I like the humor like I, uh, especially Drax and Rocket had I think the best lines and they were the most memorable characters I think from the second one. It's not a, again a great movie it's like a one time watch probably and uh, but it's not bad it's like it's you don't feel like you wasted your time. Yeah I forgot to give a spoiler warning but yeah if you're listening till this point I mean yeah. expect some spoilers from here on you're not to be blamed yeah. if we spoil the movie for you so if you've not seen it and if you care about such things stop listening right now and come back later. Yeah. Yeah. Akhil, your thoughts? I think Royden's sentiment covers a lot of what I think is starting to so slowly go wrong with Marvel movies now. Is that all of them are like safe summer movies? Like they give you enough of humor, enough enough of action sequences, and enough of the which is the new thing now with James Gunn here with the soundtrack, which everyone is doing. So he was the first one. That which is another reason the movie worked right in 2014 was because none of those movies were doing that. Like if you read about it, you can. people's complain about like marvel not having an iconic like background music and he sort of by grafting onto 1780s classic rock hits he gave the f- movie an an a personality sort of thing right which is why the movie worked and but so which is what every other movie is like, starting to copy now so we've seen the trailers for thor ragnarok and even like sort of wonder woman to an extent like they're sort of using that feel to like sort of make themselves more than what they are right get grasp graft onto that nostalgia people have but as a story format as i said they give you like enough of those things that people crave the action sequences the humor to not disappoint you while you're watching them but once you finish watching them you're not left with any long term payoff of like okay i didn't really like impact me in the long run right mm. yeah but i thought that at least in the second uh, volume 
nothing really happens for like about three fourths of the movie. It's just like build up, build up, build up towards what, and that build up was also quite slow in my opinion. At least I didn't particularly enjoy all those uh, over the top scenes where uh, what's his name, Dave Batista is uh, Drax. Drax, yeah, yeah he's yeah. hanging out of the spaceship yeah. in vacuum and just zooming through some quantum time jump or God knows what that was. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that the whole thing about the Guardians is not. It's not supposed to be like realistic as yeah. yeah so. I quite like the action sequences, but yeah, as far the plot, like nothing really happens, and the things that the events that transpire was just to move the, f- so they can move that story forward. Or so it has it has to have some point, right? So exactly. Yeah. I mean, the build up I thought was exceptionally slow, and I didn't really see what it was, uh, what it was like going towards until like about uh, the interval happened, yeah, and that whole ego planet and yeah. that that uh, that part of the film yeah. re- they reached there. So until then, it wasn't really clear what this is building towards, right? Yeah, true. Right, but um, what I just sort of, I mean, I sort of sh- do share like some of the opening sequences didn't really work for me. I mean, the Groot scenes was scene was quite nice. You could like you could, I like the ideas Gunn has for like the director James Gunn has for different scenes. You know, like instead of just making because the action choreography itself isn't that great, right? It's not good. You don't really. It's, there's not that much creativity. It's basically people like taking a gun and firing at someone, or like using the spaceships and firing at someone directly. Yeah. So what he has done with creativity is he'll give you a spin on different things. So like in the opening sequence, as I just said, uh, we only see Groot dancing in the foreground, and everything else is either on the edges or like blurred out in the background, which is nice. And another scene which uh, comes in midway through the film is where Yondu grow- goes crazy in the Ravager ship, which is again nice because they were not focusing through like brute action force, but more of going through like good camera angles and like slow motion and all those things, which enrich in a scene that would normally just be like very drab if you just showed it to like people beating up each other. So those kind of things I really liked and I enjoyed certain sequences. It, but overall the film felt way too bloated for me as a story because they were trying to follow each character to a logical conclusion for their arc, right? Everyone had to have something. It's, yeah. it's not enough that only... Uh, Peter Quill, Star Lord, Chris Pat's character has an arc with his new father, which wasn't there in the first film. But everyone from Gamora to Drax to Rocket to even new new characters, Mantis and returning characters like Nebula and Yondu, everyone had to have something to like you know make them go somewhere. But even then, despite that, it should not be too much because then there's a sequel to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, I like the I like how they played the relationship between Gamora and her sister. So. That was kind of nice. It felt a little real, and that was good. But uh, like in some of the things, I think just felt like it was present in the movie, so that it was they could have like a build up for the third one, like mm-hmm. especially those golden people or whatever they were called, right? Sovereign, sovereign race, the yeah. sovereign, yeah. So the their only the only reason they existed in this film is so that they could tease that uh, new villain for the third movie, right? Yeah, the volume three, which is Vo- already supposed to, yeah, be. volume three, and the secret weapon is going to be called Adam, whoever that is, mm. or whatever that is. Yeah, it so could be the husband of Eve. Maybe. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> no, so like, it's again, like, so those, th- those kind of scenes are, like, meant for, like, you know, the, the hardcore comic book fans. Yeah, so, true. So, after watching the movie, I ended up Googling, you know, what Adam was and who Adam is. And uh, so the character is called Adam Warlock in the comics. We're not given the full name in the mid credit sequences. Uh, but, like, he's supposed to be, and again, a giant entity capable of doing a lot. And James Gunn, the director, has said in the past that Volume 3, which will come after the two Avenger movies, is supposed to set up the next 10 years of Marvel movies. So you can sort of imagine Adam to be sort of the next Thanos after Thanos, I'm guessing, is going to be vanquished in the two 
Avenger films. Mm. But I like the fact that towards the end, they do reference Thanos for the first time in the movie rather than just tease him as a post credit scene. Right. Like, I don't think anyone has spoken about Thanos in any of the previous movies as far as I can remember. I think they showed him in a post credit scene in one of the movies. I yeah, forgot that's what one. I'm saying. It's He's always in a post credit scene. He's yeah. been in a couple of right. post credit scenes, but he's never been referenced or talked about by the characters in the movie itself. Mm. Yeah, that's also because, I mean, all the... M- action mostly happens back on earth right so everyone's sort enough. of like dealing yeah. with like already either they deal with loki or their own like villains yeah. or they're dealing with someone who is a conduit of thanos like ronan the accuser is close to thanos but he's still just like a sub-level villain it's so you're saying maybe villain. they don't really realize it yet that thanos is the bigger yeah. threat and he's coming to maybe destroy earth or whatever right yeah which is yeah. what like, this is the which makes sense why these people would reference this because they are always in space exactly so closer like, maybe closer yeah so like what i expect in avengers infinity war is that the guardians of the galaxy will tell the avengers back home you know that there's this big threat coming yeah, that kind of makes sense, actually. Yeah, so all this linking and chaining through, yeah. like, across movies and TV shows is what is, like, really beginning to get to me. Like, I, I, I don't think I can stand any more of this uh, whole, yeah, this is a massive universe in which so many things are happening and you have to watch five post-credit scenes <laughs> to understand what exactly <laughs> which, is Which had ab- absolutely nothing to add, by the way, to yeah. any future plot. Yeah, yeah and except, except the Adam one, like... Except even, the Adam one, yeah. There is, like, no one... I mean, even the Adam one doesn't really contribute, right? Because the thing is, if you don't know what Adam is... Then True. you don't get anything from it. Like in the theater last night, we didn't like. We were like, okay, what was that? Mm. Yeah, I mean, they just show like a sarcophagus, sort of, sort of. Yeah, a thing. like it's like. A- at least in the other th- teasers, you get to see Thanos, even though you don't even later on you come to know that is yeah. Thanos. Yeah, but I've been but, feeling this for a long time now that this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe and even to some extent the DC Extended Universe, these, these big universes are actually chaining these uh, individual movies and not letting them be the best that they can be. Because I felt that in this movie, the reason there was like literally nothing happening in the first, say, yeah. first half or maybe 40 minutes, uh, 45 minutes or so, um, is because there were so many things that they could have shown, but no, they can't show it because it's going to happen in a future movie. And they want to save something for the next movie, which no, is not yet revealed in this one. Probably. So, yeah, that was like the case with Sovereign, right? They, yeah. are, they are exist on the fringes despite yeah. being a good enough villains, uh, villainous race because... They are to be existed. I'm sorry. They are to be taken in Volume Three. Hmm. So yeah, exactly. So that is one thing. And similarly, I, I don't know if you guys have seen Agents of Shield. So no. whenever I watched that series, I think I watched two seasons of that before finally giving up. Uh, I realized that's that you know, commitment. They have like about uh, 24 episodes per season or so. Yeah. So ABC cable and news. Yeah. yeah so absolutely nothing happens in the first 18, and then the big Marvel movie of the year, whether it's Winter Soldier or uh, Civil War or whatever, will release, and some important plot point will be revealed in that movie, and then suddenly a lot will happen in the last three or four episodes of that. Yeah, that is a bit much. I mean, I can understand maybe like linking movies together and dropping, uh, you know, like interlinking characters there, but again to link movies and TV shows, and then that means you got to. Like, like watch everything to like yeah, so have a complete is, like, picture is, that's of that's what it they want right they want you to like buy into the universe completely like yeah. um, I don't know if you remember so Avengers Age of Ultron remember the, when the sh- ship shows up in the end to save them all randomly in the city that big huge mm-hmm. ship so yeah. that like if you wanted to know where that came from because if you remember they destroyed the huge ship the villains in the f- first Avengers right so like how did they come up with a new one so to watch the creation or the unveiling of the new ship you had to watch it in the shield 
Yeah. And one episode there would have told you that you know this ship is hinted at it will appear someday. Yeah, and even the uh, what are those people called Inhumans, right? The mutant people yeah. in Agents of Shield. So that arc is also going to be explored much more in the f- uh, coming uh, seasons of uh, not seasons, sorry, in coming movies. I think. Uh, Isn't there an Inhumans so TV yeah, show? Yeah, so like they up? were going to do that initially. The plans until like two years ago were to do Inhumans as a uh, film, but now it's being a TV show. TV show again. Yeah. yeah. So well, that's a, a once. I mean, and that's coming from creator. Iron Fist, so I don't have much yeah, well, hopes right now. Well, Gopal might disagree with you. Yeah. But uh, anyway. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, we'll find yeah. out. So yeah, I mean, coming back to Guardians of the Galaxy, the reason I liked, I mean, I liked Volume 1, uh, unlike you two, I really enjoyed it, partly because it, uh, like everybody else said, I agree, um, is that the film felt fresh, wasn't really bound by the chains of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. And uh, they could explore so many different things, like all the equation and chemistry between right. all these characters was like really well well done. And they were, they were not really bound by any of these things, like, uh, like a plot point that you can't reveal right now because it's going to come in a future movie or it has to come in volume 3 of Guardians of the Galaxy when a certain other movie would have released in which certain points would have been right. explored more. Yeah. So because of that, I felt that was a much better movie overall, well-rounded. But this movie, I thought, uh, uh, I mean, something started happening towards maybe the last 30 minutes of the movie when it actually became enjoying, I mean, enjoyable. Uh, but what I did not like was that they have this, once again, you know, this uh, overpowered villain who's like a god tier entity and to destroy him you basically plant a demolition charge in one part of his uh, body which is somewhere near the heart supposedly or the brain yeah like parts yeah that was pretty lame yeah but it's been done like so many times like you you can I mean I can't vividly remember any exact movie but we have seen this idea so many times that you know to like destroy a huge entity you always have to get to the core of it like yeah. I mean it makes sense but like how many times I do I want to see the same idea being played out I mean this entity spent like millions and billions of years trying to expand here there right. everywhere so why didn't it do like a Voldemort Horcrux thing where it's spreading its exactly, existence yeah. across and how can just one single why, and, thing, and thing is, if, dis- if, like if you're it. really your soul as if like I mean, that's, I'm guessing that that's the entity's soul mm. is going to live in its core in a planet, why would you invite everyone there? Exactly. Like, I mean, why not just take them somewhere else? <laughs> and why do other people have like, so much power? That's what Voldemort power. did, right? Voldemort made sure that his Horcruxes weren't known. Nobody yeah. knew what the location was, yeah. so nobody could destroy it. So if so, if if in that's following that same logic, if nobody knows where Ego, the living planet is, nobody can destroy it. Yeah, and even if they know, this is a god-level entity, right? Some celestial being or whatever it is. Uh, why do other people have so much power on his planet? Why can people just randomly land whenever they want to on his planet and attack others and do so much fighting and all that? He should have complete control over the environment and yeah. the people who are in it, right? Once yeah. they enter, and that's what happened. Like that, that, could, was... that could happen in something where we don't even have powerful beings. Like in Rogue One, they have the planet shield system yeah and yeah. this guy has no planet shield to speak of yeah nothing and on his planet he can make those energy beams that uh, they were starting to play catch catch with that energy ball yeah i mean that was so cheesy and i'm <laughs> like yeah let's just move on already, and the fact you know? that they, the first time they referenced it in the forest when gamora and like uh, peter were talking i was like okay this is going to happen yeah because this is the thing like with movies right like once you like say something yeah. there's nothing throw away because this is an edited thing it's not real life yeah if something is said it is going to have a payoff eventually yeah so that whole part did not work for me at all unlike the first movie where like so many things were happening all the time I mean literally nothing was happening and overall I thought the plot was quite weak in this movie I mean if not for all the comedy elements like no no that, for sure uh, I mean there was basically no plot I mean ap- 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 yeah, if, you take, if you strip away the humor and the action sequences there was absolutely nothing yeah and yeah, it's you, more like a sitcom right that's what yeah. the thing is yeah. like every few minutes some one gag happens exactly people react to it and then it's basically a sitcom with like powered in with like because they have the budget to like do special effects and action yeah. sequences yeah. They're like 
throw them in yeah and also in the first movie i at least uh, felt that it did not take itself seriously at all whereas in this movie i thought that they were going between like being that very funny type thing to my family my father i'm here and to like other serious topics and then coming back to the non serious ones right. like what they did with yandu eventually uh that that turned out to be a very serious yeah. part in the movie like sandwich between parts where you know it's not taking itself yeah, seriously yeah but the thing is like even though like, yeah i get your point you know the fact that they want do want to be self serious and they do want to like joke around but the movie's finale even despite the movie not being that good did work for me like yeah. it had a big emotional payoff yeah. and even though those scenes were like you were like okay i mean this is like too much to take on like because the action sequences were not ending right hmm. one thing big thing would happen you were like okay so this is the end of the action scenes right okay no it's it isn't something yeah. else happens so despite that that d- scene sequences towards the end did work for me even though eventually it was o- a little over the top with all the ravages coming in like displaying yeah. fireworks in the space Yeah and somehow like the laws of time dilation and any other universe constant doesn't really work for these people they yeah. just appear at the same that time that never yeah. exists in movies and tv shows like we've seen that with game of thrones so, yeah. and like we've seen that in countless like numbers like, it all depends on what the screenwriter wants and if the screenwriter wants i mean yeah. so these people went through like what's that they were saying 500 jumps or something right mm. uh, groot and 700 yeah. 700, yeah. 700 jumps. jumps yeah I mean Nebula had to do the same thing we weren't yeah. shown that because no. nobody cares what Le- that wasn't funny right that wasn't funny this was yeah. the part of funny exactly yeah and also Nebula was also another character that was oscillating between uh, being extremely serious and yeah. uh, you know not being so serious so i i thought that they were a bit confused about what they really wanted to do here and in the first movie that that wasn't a problem i mean you guys might not have liked the movie but at least it was you know in terms of tone it was always like funny in right. the yeah. it was never like yeah. too serious and here it was like almost as if two forces creative forces were like fighting against each other one is saying no no we have to have this and the other is saying no we have to be funny and then that's ultimately that's funny though like know. i mean if you mentioned that because uh, the first movie actually had two writers so uh, a screenwriter called nicole perman actually wrote the script she was she went through marvel screenwriting program after like she chose this pro, uh, like the com- comics while she was in the program and then she came out the script and james gunn the director only came like two years before the film was made hmm. but in this one he wrote the movie and directed the movie solo there's like no actual collaboration and nicole pomer is now doing captain marvel hmm. so like that is odd though like you mean you would expect that when there were two screenwriters to have that you know sort of tone issues but like i feel like gun himself like was probably in self like you know had like those issues himself like no i don't think I, i mean if i were to guess i don't know anything about how the process right. works but if i were to guess i think it's uh, probably gun and studio pressure fighting against each other so maybe it could be that like yeah. I, i i i try to think of his i mean I, for me it looks like that it could be he was not confused like how much to keep hmm. it to self serious also because you're dealing with such a huge entity right yeah. i mean when you're dealing with something called ego the living planet like where do you stop yourself yeah. before like you pull back yeah that ego thing just did not work at all like it didn't work one bit for me simply because i mean this is like a celestial entity living for millions of years and cannot kill these five random people who have shown up and also i did not buy that thing where he says that if i die the celestial in you will also die and you will become a normal human how does that work yeah that so that's is... a convenient part for movies right so thing yeah. is if you leave the celestial part in star lord he's going to be the most powerful thing we have anywhere yeah. so when he gets back in avengers infinity war there's no one touching him yeah hmm. so i mean very conveniently you just take away pass like that after it's the same thing in avengers like if you We all, I'm guessing we all love the Avengers, right? But the yeah. Avengers, like, it follows the same pattern of like other action movies from past, like just like Independence Day. Like once you kill the mothership in space, everyone else dies back yeah. home. Imagine how boring it it would have been in a real scenario. Like when yeah. you kill the mothership, 
everyone still active on ground and then you have to go and kill every chitauri yeah, individually and be like yeah. this is going to take weeks guys yeah. <laughs> so yeah i mean that i mean i i seriously feel that this uh, all marvel movies are slightly beginning to suffer because of this whole um i mean chains of the cinematic universe yeah, in, yeah it's like the, a tv show sort of format right yeah so that aside i still think that there's like a good movie buried in there somewhere in this one it's just that all the padding and all the fluff is probably right. you know hiding it somewhere underneath so anyway your uh, favorite uh, moments from this movie and if you want to mention any character that you particularly liked then that mm, would be a good moments time. i can't really recollect but i think rocket was definitely my favorite yeah the in this movie raccoon fox the raccoon <laughs> fox or rat or whatever yeah, you want whatever you want to call him basically <laughs> yeah okay. i enjoyed uh, some of the scenes for, for drax and mantis and then the groot scene obviously with the powerful like uh, uh, sovereign bomb hmm. where he's like he's like i'm groot i'm groot hmm. and then he brings his finger to the button yeah. you're not supposed to wait i'm groot yeah okay. that and uh, actually you're right drax insulting mantis to her face was <laughs> like hilarious and she's like yeah. em- embracing that as the as the universe to the something yeah. i am ugly yeah so mantis was actually my favorite character <laughs> in this because of her reaction to uh, yeah. drax and their equation and i would love to see more of nebula as well but i feel like they're saving that for infinity war as well yeah i don't know if you guys have played mass effect but nebula reminds me of jack from mass effect 1 and i think even 2 So I played it ages ago I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, so that's that's a character yeah. like a psychic character who's like totally crazy and you know like really powerful also. So mm. very so cool the character. Fact the fact the movie sort of like you know spend time to explain why she was crazy, you know. Like mm. too many movies just do that. They they yeah. have like this good sister and then evil sister and without even defining and just like it's just a trope. But here they like told us why that was happening. Yeah. I mean and we mm. I can now feel for Nebula that what she went through with like you know cuz I'm guessing she's the biological daughter of Thanos, right? Mm. And then Gamora is just, I think adopted or assassinated yeah, like, Uthena yeah. trained. Yeah. So like imagine you were the biological like yeah. do- progeny of your uh, father and then someone else is getting sort of priority over you and keeps winning and does not stop. So I could I could feel the hurt and the, what she's went through. Yeah. Which is why I sort of I wanted more for her in this movie, you know, just like not like sideline her for Yeah, I mean that also reminds me for all the massive budget and everything that this movie had. One thing it did not get right was Gamora's makeup because I noticed it many times that the green color is just wearing off, especially like her um, eyelids. Right. Uh, was th- it? Yeah. So I noticed that eyelids are a different color. Rest of the face is green and there were some action sequences after which uh, particularly I think the fight between Gamora and Nebula and also um that Uh, scene in uh, where like she's attacking her with the plane uh, hmm. nebula is attacking her yeah. with the plane and all that so after that you notice like a forehead like there are multiple maybe two or three splotches of like um, uh, whatever brown white skin whatever it is underneath right uh, and you know you can see like the green around it so i felt that they should not have cheaped out on that and they they wow. probably had a multiple take issue there where like the characters yeah, were yeah. really tired and people were like doing the makeup again and again But yeah, that was again. Yeah, it is a strenuous process. Like yeah. so, for Drax, uh, for the first film, they spent apparently three to four hours just mm. to put his makeup on. Yeah. Uh, but this time, uh, they could do it much better. Apparently, ninety minutes or something every day. Mm. But the guy, remember Taserface? Yeah. <laughs> that guy oh, spent yeah. four hours every day putting on it. taking off his makeup yeah exactly and imagine if he had like a small role and yeah. like imagine going through four hours just like sitting there be like okay put on my makeup today yeah, and imagine like if shoot gets postponed to the next day for some reason <laughs> and then he has nothing to do in an entire yeah. day except wear his makeup because that's that's what you have to like, sort of go through to you know for practical effects like they could mm. have easy like done it in post and done it in computers and not not look that much that natural or mm. look that real mm. and be, movies do get away with it and then people complain you know like it was looking fake mm. so they Put in when you put in the effort, then you have to like go through with this. Yeah, well, 
anyway so anything else you want, want to talk about in in this particular aspect you want to add anything about the cinematic universe and where it is going from here what to expect next so that's the good part right so you could actually watch both the guardians movies and not care about any of the other movies mm. yeah. uh, which are, i think 16 or 17 at this point yeah so people can actually if they want to i mean even though we've sort of talked about spoilers i'm guessing people have already watched the movie but, but for those who were brave enough to go through spoilers and haven't watched the movie you can watch it if you haven't watched the other avengers mm. films without worrying about it uh though you will enjoy it much more if you have some connection to the avengers universe mm. and cuz going forward you will have to wait a lot for volume 3 cuz before that you'll get avengers infinity war next year and then yeah. avengers untitled sequel to infinity war in 2019 yeah so so those are the two big ones yeah. where everyone will appear and your characters will return so yeah. that if you love guardians you don't have to wait till 2020 or 2021 to see them mm. you will actually get to see them twice in the near future mm. yeah this is where i have another bone to pick with this cinematic universe concept is that i mean as as these films keep releasing eventually we'll reach a point where like in 2019 or so some new person let's say a child or somebody who's been living under a rock all this while starts these movies goes <laughs> to a theater watches this infinity war or probably its sequel and they're like what is going on i mean there's so many things here like so, why is this happening why is this character not here why is this character doing this can't yeah, understand you will anything. not be able to follow anything if yeah. not and also we haven't even spoken about like the parallel uh, x-men stuff at this point because they have so happening. many movies they started making in jokes right they start you will see yeah. captain america civil war me there's so many in jokes to their previous relationships yeah. and fights yeah. and people are not going to get those jokes yeah. yeah and i wouldn't even say that these movies are so great that you you should actually go back and watch every one of those movies to you know reach this point <laughs> i mean yeah. i'd say that okay maybe iron man the first one was actually a very good movie that right. people could go and watch it again but then you know like if you tell somebody you have to watch iron man 1 2 3 and then you go and watch avengers all these movies and then you watch civil war and then you finally come to guardians of the galaxy 1 2 and then you watch the next so maybe you should do movie. a guide, guide on our website then like yeah. watch what? movies you can watch and what which ones can you skip before watching guardians yeah I mean, well, we're watching infinity war next year we should also do an opinion piece on our site saying why marvel should just stop making movies you know what the answer is right <laughs> people should stop watching them maybe then no then. like how are you going to say no to billions of dollars yeah exactly so yeah, yeah but are, i mean these are the movies that are making the most money every year now yeah, you open I, up the 10 top 10 list for every year yeah. for the last 10 years and all you will spot are sequels and reboots and remakes and all that yeah i think yeah. it doesn't matter how bad they are i mean they're still going to rake yeah. in the moolah so. yeah this is like Case the salman point, khan movie squad. of the us man seriously <laughs> Decent point suicide squad. Yep. And yeah, also I was very like uh, sad to see that movies like Ant-Man, even though Ant-Man was not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination, it was actually uh, it was at least fun and enjoyable because it was contained in that tiny universe where it's just Ant-Man. Yeah, so this is how they yeah. get you. See, because yeah. they they will if you don't like the big ones, they'll make sure they'll make like good small movies yeah. and then integrate those people in the big ones. So you exactly. end up watching the big ones. So I did not enjoy Ant-Man's role much in that which one was the Civil War, yeah. right? Where he, he was, was barely there. there yeah. I mean. But then I did enjoy Spider-Man and the next Spider-Man movie might actually be a good one. You That's never coming. know. That's coming. That's the yeah. next one in July. See? Yeah, they so, got you. Yeah. So uh, I think I'll skip that. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, but then you'll see him in Infinity War and then you want to see No, I, I I really think that I'm done with this uh, cinematic universe nonsense. I'll watch standalone stuff if, if it's coming out. So you just mm. said no to standalone. No, I mean I'd watch maybe Spider-Man: Homecoming is a different thing, right? I've I've seen so many Spider-Man movies now that I don't know what more yeah, they can do. But this one is like more colorful. He's in high school, Pranay. Ah, <laughs> okay, sure. Thank you. 
yeah. serving as a disney marketing officer here yeah well anyway so yeah, i don't even know if they follow anything in the comics that happens right now i mean i think it's all like separate comics is yeah so they, they have their own tie in comics so before guardians volume 2 came out mm-hmm. they had tie in comics which would like establish some other arc which will not impact the movies anyway mm. but it will give you like more depth on the characters yeah my understanding is that captain america turned into hydra in the comics right and no, so that's the thing so there are two different comic worlds now so there's uh, one yeah. comic world which is only for comic aficionados mm. and there's another comic world which is for much the much less people. frequent for the movies so there's yeah. like tie-ins before the movie and prequels and then sequels after yeah, the movie yeah well this is like peak commercialization honestly and I mean, at this yeah, point so yeah there's it, no art it left here doesn't stop at like obviously making the movies right that's only the first step to get you in yeah. after that they want yeah. to sell you comics t-shirts merchandise i mean that's what they i mean i'm sure imagine the baby groot like that would have sold millions of pieces yeah man. how can you like not yeah. with that yeah hopefully one day we'll get rid of this cinematic universe extended universe spam that right now is going on constantly All right so on that extremely happy note <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all we have for this episode of Transition and we will see you with another episode next week as always don't forget to follow us on Facebook Twitter YouTube and Instagram at gadgets360 and you can also email us with questions comments and feedback at podcast@gadgets360.com and as always the music for this episode comes by Magnus Solai Paulson whose album PPP PPP is where all these tracks are from <laughs>